Hello, and welcome to A New Take. This is a new political podcast run by me, who is a 13-year-old. That's why it's a new take. So, on this podcast, what we're going to be doing... What we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about some of the news from the past week. Today, it might be a bit lacking in the entire week, but uh, I found what I could. From this point on, I will most certainly make sure that I'm collecting articles throughout the week so I have a steady, steady representation for the entire week. For anyone who listens to this and is thinking, well, he's not very independent. No, I'm not. I'm really not. You shouldn't expect that out of me if you're listening to this. Although, I guess I'm new here. (laughs) So, you'll learn if you continue listening. I hope you do. And feel free to give me any feedback that you might have. So today, we are going to be starting with the deficit in Washington, which, yes, lovely topic, I'm aware. As reported on by the Washington Post, uh, uh, today at 6.05 p.m. today, I'm recording this on August 21st, um, It they reported that the federal deficit will be hitting almost a trillion dollars by the end of 2019, which is unusually high because of the economic growth that's going on right now. However, it seems to be due to the tax cuts passed in 2017 by the now, well, by the then Republican majority, which is interesting based on the fact that they do say that (laughs) they are the ones that want to keep the deficit down. I guess they got to go one way or the other, tax or deficit. (laughs) They also made it clear that the country is not in a recession, but the economic data shows that we might be heading there. Investments are declining, Manufacturing industry is struggling, and stock and bond markets react unsteadily, to say the least. They're being quite volatile. So after after that, we are going to be talking about the uh, gun bills that haven't gone anywhere, if I'm being completely honest. Um, it was reported on by the New York Times yesterday at 10.37 a.m. Eastern Time, by the way, all of these. Um, that the NRA, this is the headline, NRA gets results on gun laws in one phone call with Trump. And they say that uh, the president spent at least 30 minutes on the phone uh, Tuesday with Wayne LaPierre, 
um, one of the head lobbyists and chief executives at the NRA. Um, and for those of you who don't know, the NRA is an aggressive gun rights advocate um, and have been very vocal about keeping the guns no matter what, no matter what the cost, seemingly, because no matter how many how many mass shootings we have, it just keeps going. They aren't going to stop. This uh, was not a scheduled call, it seems like. Well, not previously scheduled call. Um, the president, according to the New York Times, the president told LaPierre that he wanted to focus on mental health and access to juvenile criminal records. And, and that is cutting it way short from what the uh, House and Senate Democrats have been proposing, um, especially some of the presidential candidates, as they were... Uh, especially those who are running for president currently. Um which isn't surprising. They're always trying to make a name for themselves. Um, some of them have succeeded, some of them not so much. Uh, their bills include uh, universal background checks, including uh, getting rid of the loophole, the gun show loophole. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, uh, that has to do with uh, the... Um, with the fact that uh, people don't have to go through um, uh, background checks if they're buying from a private dealer at gun shows. And also when purchasing from uh, uh, family members. And this has been one of the uh, largely scrutinized things in... Um, Washington that this hasn't been handled and especially in state uh, state legislate state legislatures um, <coughs> and uh, it's been one of the very large things brought up um, there <coughs> there uh, even Republican uh, representatives and senators are calling for um, uh, what are called red flag laws, with or red flag, something I don't remember, but uh, what they do is basically they look at um, previous records of uh, things like domestic violence and uh, just like violence in general. I believe um, I have to look up some specifics. Um, they like they are getting wide support even on Capitol Hill. Um, um, from NPR, uh, Florida could serve as an example for lawmakers considering for red flag laws. Um, they are definitely true in saying that it has been needed for a long time, especially after the Parkland shooting. Um, according to this, their law in Florida, um, included, uh, a red flag uh, like, uh, red flag mandate law, 
example that um, I'm not exactly sure what they passed, but there's an example of a court case. Um, they found a man, uh, Bobby Wellens, in a car with a gun. Miami-Dade Police Sergeant Christopher Hernandez told uh, the, uh, Judge Diana Vizcano um, he thinks Wellen made the call to 911. He did so for a disturbing reason. They uh, they received a 911 call about a, gun, a man with a gun in the neighborhood park. Um, he stated that he had hoped police would kill him by responding to the scene. Hernandez said that's why he called. Wellens told the judge that he got down sometimes but wasn't suicidal. The judge listened but told him she was approving a risk protection order. For these next 12 months, Vizcano said, you are not allowed to own or possess any firearms or ammunitions. Willens told her that he understood. This is just one example of um, red flag uh, red flag laws um, that have taken effect. Um, there are some that are just city laws, like I believe uh, San Francisco has one. Um uh the one of the craziest thing things is that um uh, um the suicide rates and murder rates in america the um like the uh the gun death rate in america well the number of gun deaths makes up uh, the sec like un- uh, it's part of six countries that make up over half of world gun violence, and the other, the other five, um, sorry for the pauses, um, it includes Guatemala, Venezuela, Colombia, Mexico, and Brazil. All five of those countries have much are much less civilized not saying anything about those countries but they just have weaker weaker governmental systems and weaker uh criminal justice systems um so they have less deterrence and they aren't quite as good at getting uh reform and punishment to people who done, who have done such a, like such things uh that was from uh the journal of american or a uh, journal of the American medical association, a study conducted by them. Um, the, um, and the, the two mass shootings in uh, Dayton and El Paso have been the, the main, the main reason behind this push for new laws, um, even on Capitol Hill. Um, and it's been very impressive how people have acted. It's just the problem of the president. The president doesn't really want to. And that's the problem we're having right now. Um, now, uh, moving on from guns to Israel. Um, um, the Israeli decision... Uh, this is from the New York Times. Israeli decision on Omar and Tlaib inflames politics in two countries. So, uh, if you didn't know, um, Israel or um, Ilhan Omar and um, oh, 
uh, I feel awful. I can't remember her name. Uh, Representative Tlaib, um, Rashid Tlaib, um, were to visit uh, Israel. Um, but at the pushing of uh, the president, our president, the U.S. president, uh, President Donald Trump, um, Israel refused, um, except for, according to this New York Times article, Israel says Rashida Tlaib can visit to see her grandmother. And uh, even for that, Tlaib renounces trip to West Bank under Israel's conditions. She's from Michigan. She she was not originally born in the United States, but she is a naturalized citizen. Um, And she's a representative from Michigan. But um, President Donald Trump has talked about um, her, uh, Johanna Omar, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and I can't remember her other the other woman who is in the uh, group colloquial called the squad, but uh, he has talked about them as though they are all foreign just because they are of color uh, seemingly. And just to spark divisiveness. um, However, uh, Rashida Tlaib is the only one who is actually from another country. And she has been naturalized. Um, ah, and Ayanna Presley. That's uh, the other woman. Uh, she's from Massachusetts. Um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is from New York. Um, Ilan Omar is from uh, Minnesota. And as the original headline said... Um, uh it i apologize for cat <laughs> um it sparked like uh like political not dissidents but like um controversy in both countries um because um obviously in america many people are not exactly happy with uh, the president to begin with, but uh, over in Israel, um, uh, it had uh, even her, gr- uh, even uh, Tlaib's grandmother um, said, or no, sorry, uh, the country only let her in saying but on the condition to not promote boycotts during her stay and this was a political visit it like it wasn't a family visit but they only let her in on humanitarian grounds um as long as she didn't do anything with politics she's a uh u.s representative that's that's the problem with this she was, uh, she, like, that's why they were going there as, like, to be supporters of Palestinians, um, in a movement called Boycott, 
um, uh, which full name is Boycott, Divestment, and Sanctions, BDS. Um, The president, our president, uh, Donald Trump, has repeatedly attacked them along with um, the other three, or the other two. Um, At one point saying they go... They should go back to their home countries, even though, as I as I stated before, they are all American citizens, and only Rashida Tlaib comes from outside of the country. Oh, hold on. I may have been saying all of these wrong. Okay. I must apologize now. Um... Ah, okay, sorry. I have been saying all of these wrong. Uh, I was saying those backwards. Ilhan Omar uh, was born outside of the country. Uh, and Rashid um, Lee was born inside the country. I'm very sorry. Um, however, they were both... Nah, they are both citizens of the United States. Um... Um, moving on to something else, um, about, uh, President Trump's remarks about, uh, Jewish voting record, um, about Jewish Americans saying that if they vote for Democrats, they are disloyal, which is promoting the stereotypes of how they are supposed to act. Um, about they're supposed to be very conservative. Even though 71, I believe I read somewhere, 71% of uh, Jewish people voted democratically in the general election. Um, however, there are some conservative pro-Trump uh, advocates of his administration who agreed with him, which is just making it all the worse, dividing the country even more. Um, uh, moving on to Denmark. Oh my. <laughs> okay. I might backtrack a bit uh, just due to how my, all of my links are lined up. Um, but actually, uh, my mistake, we're going, we're staying with U.S.'s relations. Um, U.S. Senator Doug Jones told a Birmingham gathering, this is a quote from, uh, AL.com, Alabama.com. Um, U.S. Senator Doug Jones told a Birmingham gathering focused on fostering business ties between Alabama and Israel today that. It's an interesting subject that uh, long-standing ties between the United States and the Jewish state should not be used as a political weapon. Uh, this is a quote from him, I believe. I'm concerned the relationship with Israel is beginning to see some cracks for political reasons. Jones said, "What I'm seeing, or what I'm seeing, is that the relationship with Israel is now being used as a political weapon to try to divide people for, for political gain." Uh, it's happening here, and it's happening in Israel. Our alliance is too important to, 
let that happen. Uh, this is what I was saying about uh, it's just all of it's being used to divide the country. Um, uh, uh, this also talks about uh, Rashid Tlaib and Elon Omar um, giving an emotional press conference for or Monday urging members of Congress to examine aid to Israel. This drew a response from Trump, who said in a tweet that Tlaib hates Israel and all Jewish people. Uh, this quote from Donald Trump's Twitter feed. Sorry, I don't buy Rep Tlaib's tears. I have watched her violence, craziness, and most importantly, words for far too long. Now tears. She hates Israel and all Jewish people. She is anti. She is an anti-Semite. She and her three friends are the face of the new Democratic Party. Live with it. Donald Trump calling somebody an anti-Semite is. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting based on some comments he's made in the past. <laughs> Sounds like somebody's being a bit hypocritical. But uh it also sounds like he's kind of scared of words. <laughs> I have watched her violence, craziness, and most importantly, words. I don't think that... Words are a very powerful weapon, yes, but I don't think they're higher up than violence and craziness, although he's talking about her violence and craziness, which are virtually non-existence, non-existent as, as far as I can tell. So I guess makes a bit of sense. Uh, anyways, um, back to, back to Greenland and Denmark. Um, so, um, According to this, uh, um, <coughs> Week in Politics on NPR, uh, they were talking about um, President Trump uh, would like to buy Greenland. Um, and yes, America has tried to buy Gre- Greenland twice before. Um, um, they were saying, uh, one of them uh, was saying, as a White House reporter to, uh, let me look up her name uh Eliana Johnson as a White House reporter to the to me this would really be President Trump the real estate magnet magnate leaving a stamp on the presidency if it goes through um, Mary Louise Kelly who's the host uh, <laughs> joked uh plus maybe a good trip to the Greenland uh in the future for the White House press corps. Um, and the uh, the Den uh, the Danish Prime Minister um, <laughs> responded saying uh, Greenland is not up for sale. Um, it's their land, they probably want to keep it. Um Also happening this week, today, Trump revives suggestion that he might end birthright citizenship. This is from U.S. Uh, US News. Uh, this is a quote directly from the article. President Donald Trump said Wednesday he was looking 
quote, very seriously, end quote, at ending the right to citizenship for babies born in the, to non-U.S. citizens on American soil. He has called, uh, today he uh, called uh, birthright citizenship, frankly, ridiculous uh, when he was in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, he also said we're looking at it very, very seriously. Um, <clears throat> he said something similar to this in October. Nothing went through then, apparently, unless this is just a continuation. Uh, Trump said that he was assured uh, that the change could be made with just an executive order by his lawyers. There are no actual figures and data to say how much, like how many people travel to the U.S. just to give birth. And this is this is honestly um, an idea that has seemingly been just brought to life from Trump's mind. There might have been some people saying it uh, before. Apparently, however, I, like I'd never heard anything about this before, just about right now. Uh, the Center for Immigration Studies, a group that advocates for stricter immigration laws, estimated that in 2012, about 36,000 foreign-born women gave birth in the U.S. then left the country. So... I'm not sure how reliable that source is, though. A an advocate for stricter stricter immigration laws. Um, it also says that places like Florida have seen a boom in so-called birth tourism. Every year, hundreds of pregnant Russian women travel to the United States to give birth, paying from two. 20,000 to 50,000 brokers who arrange their travel documents, accommodations, and hospital stays. So this one numbers of women from China and Nigeria also come for the same reason. I'm not sure how reliable that statement is, as I've never heard anything about that before. Although I guess this is probably true based on the fact that, uh, According to media biased fact check, uh, they are left center, so I don't know why they'd be reporting that falsely. Doesn't exactly help their cause. So I guess this is true to a point. Um, other than that, I believe that's all about that for today. Moving on to other news. Um, May, or not May, August 17th, last Saturday, um, Trump spoke in Pittsburgh, uh, well, that's not true, sorry, on May 13th, last Tuesday, he spoke in Pittsburgh, this article was published on Saturday, the 17th, um, this is from the New York Times, However, this crowd seems to be uh, less than real. Um, they basically contracted these construction workers, according to this, 
to stand there. And just listen to him. And get paid. Uh, according to the article, thousands of union workers at a multi-billion dollar uh, petrochemical plant being built outside of Pittsburgh were given the choice of attending a speech by Donald Trump on Tuesday or staying away and losing some of their pay for the week. Your attendance is not mandatory. One of the construction sites contractors wrote in the rules for the speech that were shared with its employees, according to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, which first reported on the matter. But the rules said that only those who arrived at 7 a.m. had their work IDs scanned and then stood waiting for the president for several hours would get paid for the time. Which is insane. They they paid these people to show up and listen to him. It was treated as a training day with a guest speaker. Um, it's, I didn't, I was never aware that things like this had ever happened. And this is just a shock to me. Uh, like I'd always heard about like the little conspiracy theory sort of things about like they were busing people in to fill up like town halls and stuff like uh in favor of certain things just to tip the scales i'd never heard of actual evidence of it happening especially not in 2019 so this story just shocks me if i'm being completely honest well that's not true it it shocks me but i'm not surprised at the exact same time because i i'm not surprised that uh People have resorted to paying their workers to go listen to him and fill his crowds. Um, but I'm I'm surprised that this is actually happening because I I always thought that was a hoax. Apparently not. In more Trump news, um, this is something good this time. Well, I don't know if that was good or bad the last one, but uh. Trump moves to end limits on detention of migrant children. Never mind. This is not a good story. This is a terrible story. I am very sorry. I can't read. Alright. Sorry about that. Um... Woo. All right. The Trump administration is moving to end an agreement limiting how long migrant children can be kept in detention. The president's last effort to curb immigration at the Mexican border. They, which basically is saying they can keep those children for as long as they want. There is no, there no regulation if this gets passed. Apologies. I hope I didn't break your eardrums. Anyways. Um, by the way, I promise the next episode will be much smoother, uh, than whatever has been going on here, uh, with me messing up, uh, Rashida Tlaib and Jan Omar. 
and uh, what the news is. Also, this is from uh, U.S. News as well. Uh, the Trump administration, or no, Homeland Security officials are adopting their own regulations um, uh, to reflect an agreement that has been in effect since 1997, the Flores Agreement. Uh, they say there is no longer a need for the court involvement, which was only meant to be temporary, but the new rules would allow government to hold families in detention for much longer than 20 days. Um, tightening integration is a signature issue for Donald Trump, aiming at restricting the movement of asylum seekers in the country and deterring more immigrants from crossing the border. This this is insane. I I understand that he wants to keep people out of this country, and I understand that he wants to stop illegal immigration. But first of all, these these people aren't even legally immigrating. They are very legally immigrating. They are following our due process. So, but because of this, children can be kept, but previously they could only be kept in these detention centers for 20 days. But instead, what is now happening is Donald Trump has decided that with the help of Homeland Security, they're going to make it so they can keep them there for as long as they want. Which means that these could these children could be kept there for years. I doubt, however, I doubt anything that drastic would happen. I can see the bad possibilities, but I don't think, at least I hope, nothing that terrible would happen. However, you can never be sure with some of the news that's come out of this administration. But, uh... We will just have to see how this all plays out. Um, Speaker Nancy Pelosi um, said in the statement, the administration is seeking to codify child abuse plain and simple. And she's completely correct. They they are trying to keep these children as, as a statement as a stunt they are taking human lives and using them as a publicity stunt to people in other countries who are just trying to get away because (coughs) it's not just it's not just america that has strict immigration laws mexico has strict immigration laws as well so if people don't uh get into america legally they will be deported from mexico and they'll be sent back to the same problems that they were having before, which uh, which are things like domestic violence, uh, gun violence, thievery, burglary, murder, gang violence, and we we think of we think of those things as things coming from Mexico, but Mexico, for as bad as some of the things are, is not as bad as places farther south. Their uh, places farther south have problems much worse than Mexico. And another thing that I said about domestic violence, America has a problem with domestic violence and gun violence here. 
But <coughs> honestly, on our list of priorities, in just the volume of human lives and the volume of mental damage that we can prevent, we want to change immigration policy first before our own gun laws because there are people who are trying to get away from gun violence and domestic violence and gang violence from Central American countries who are coming to the United States because of that because even as bad as it is here it is so much less than there and there are people that are coming to the United States on just the whim that they can the the hope that they can get in and if they don't get in, they will go back to the same problems they have before, possibly worse, because they tried to leave. Because if they try to leave something like a gang and they end up getting sent back, what do you think is going to happen? They are going to get hurt more and more and more and again and again and again, even worse when they get back because they tried to escape. They tried to leave. What they're looking for is asylum. They're looking for a safe place to live. And once we get that figured out, then we can deal with our own problems. Then we can deal with the ridiculous amount of gun violence. And I'm not saying we shouldn't deal with that. I'm saying we should prioritize the sheer volume of human lives. And yes, the human lives taken in America is a problem. But maybe we should focus on helping everyone. We help the people that are fleeing to somewhere better, even marginally better, America. Because they've heard of our freedoms. And once they're here, and once they're safer, we can make them safe. We can make us safe. <coughs> I know I went on a bit of a rant there, and it's been about 45 minutes of recording for me, but uh, I think I have enough time for my last couple of reports, or not reports, articles that I have here. Um, um, when meeting with uh, two Asian heads of state, um, Trump faked an accent and angered Asian Americans, which certainly isn't helping him, as they have already started leaning more left. Um, he mocked the accents of leaders of South Korea and Japan on a recent fundraiser, which can have an effect. It might push... Uh, people who didn't vote before to get out and vote for not Trump. <laughs> and it might push some of the people who uh, did vote for Trump before away from him and voting for someone else. But the dangerous thing is not pushing them to not voting at all. Because when you get there, you have the problem of non-representation. And the problem with non-representation is 
people want the the system to work for them, but they refuse to do anything for it. They refuse to even let their voices be heard until it's too late. The one time that they can make their voices heard, and it matters a lot, uh, during voting season, they let it go unheard. But as soon as something goes bad with the people that they didn't vote for, they they start their voices again at the wrong time. And and that's the very dangerous thing about not voting. Because if you want something, you have to vote for it. As inconvenient as voting may be, you have to push through. Even if you are somewhere where it makes it harder to vote. You can't give up. Because to get what you want, you have to make your voice heard. And one of the best ways to make your voice heard for government is to vote. <sighs> Anyways, um, now on to something from the Washington Post. There's a gender gap in political science. Our series examines the problem and looks at some solutions. Um, <coughs> um, <coughs> they are talk. They talk about some gender <coughs> gender inequities throughout academia. Um, women have increased their share of jobs from 41% in 1993 to 48.4% in 2013, according to a recent study, but that falls off at a full professor, the highest rank on the 10-year track. Oh, this is based in tenure, uh, tenure track faculty, um, where women make up only 36.1%. It also showed that uh, from a survey uh, collected from 1,700 political scientists and sociologists, among other things, uh, they found that women submit their research for publication in peer-reviewed journals less frequently than men do. Reading their study in one solution might uh, might imagine the solution would be simple. Well, one might imagine the solution would be simple. Encourage women to submit more research publication, but that fails to explain why women uh, fails to examine why women submit research with less frequency. When a question Don Teal will discuss in her piece on the strategies and articles of submission and the broadcast, the broader ecosystem shaping female political science choices. Much of this article is talking about their their series on. Uh, but there is some uh, interesting information. Um, one thing that I will be doing uh, with all the episodes, I'll put a link and I'll put credit to every article that I use. Um, um, so anybody who wants to look at all the other statistics in there can. I don't really have much more to say on that. Oh, well, I guess I'm done. I only had two more articles. Um, so that's all for today. Um, I'll be back next week. Um, things might get about to be a little bit of a rocky start, um, in terms of when things are getting published. I'll try to, uh, put them up every Wednesday. There might be, uh, some news after it comes out, but Wednesday morning that I don't get. 
because just because um I can't <laughs> because these are going to be probably frequently recorded Tuesday nights. Um, this might change due to some uh, changes in my life coming up soon in terms of things that I do. Um, as I said, I'm 13. I'm still in school. So, um, so these might get changed to, uh, uh, publish on Sunday, record on Saturday night. Um, not really sure, but we'll see how everything rolls out. For as long as I can, I'll try to keep it uh, Wednesday mornings publishing time and Tuesday nights recording time. Uh, I'm just talking about the recording time so, so everyone